this morning is from Isaiah chapter 52. You can find that on page 7 of your bulletins. Awake, awake, O Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, O Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned, O Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For this is what the Lord says. You were sold for nothing, and without money you will be redeemed. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. At first my people went down to Egypt to live. Lately Assyria has oppressed them. And now, what do I have here, declares the Lord. For my people have been taken away for nothing, and those who rule them mock, declares the Lord. And all day long my name is constantly blasphemed. Therefore my people will know my name. Therefore in that day they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. This is the word of the Lord. I think you all know that I am not a scientist. You can probably figure that out pretty easily. And one of the results of that is that I don't know anything about the gas carbon monoxide. Um, The only thing that I do know about it is that it's, it's annoying and it frustrates me because, because of carbon monoxide, we have to have those little carbon monoxide detectors, right? And what happens when one of those batteries goes low, you hear the annoying beep, 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 beep that you just can't find. And what happens is you, you walk around the whole house, you change every battery, and then five minutes later, you hear the beep, beep. It's so annoying that we have to deal with all that, but it's necessary. It's necessary because carbon monoxide is just as deadly as a rifle pointed at your heart or a car smashing into your front bumper. They call it the silent killer because you can't hear it or see it or smell it, but it's deadly. The devil works in ways where you can't see him or hear him. You don't see the demon possessions that Jesus dealt with. I wasn't taught to perform any exorcisms when I went through the seminary, or I won't be taught that next year either. Uh, Really, the only way that we encounter the devil is is when we think of that little red-faced, pitchfork-wielding cartoon character that sits on shoulders and gives bad advice, right? And when that's the only way that we encounter the devil, then he's become a silent killer because the temptation is just to forget about the devil altogether. When new Christians come to us and we train them and we, we're ready to, to, say, to, to bring them into our faith family here at Sure Foundation, we ask them a pretty confrontational question about the devil. We ask them, do you reject the devil and all his lies and empty promises? We're so upfront about the devil right there at the beginning of their, of their sainthood because we want them to know about the devil's real power and real activity in their lives. We want them to know that the devil truly exists and they need to have their eyes wide open to him. And here's where Isaiah helps us today. Because with Isaiah's words, with, when he says, wake up, he wants us all to wake up to the devil's power And to put on power of our own. And also to stand with a servant that we have that can fight this battle with us. 
when Isaiah was writing these words, the devil was silently killing the hope of the men and women in Israel. And here's what it looked like. Uh, Babylon came to them and carried many of them off to a foreign land. And Babylon threw many of them into dens of lions and into fiery furnaces. And Babylon completely controlled them and walked all over their backs. Babylon Babylon loudly killed the Israelites. But it was the devil in the background, silently whispering in their ears, your God has no power. It was the devil silently killing all hope that they had. And it was that devil-induced thinking that they had that did more than any physical damage that, that Babylon could do because the devil killed all hope that they had. And so Isaiah yelled, <laughs> yelled to them with this great siren cry, wake up. He uses six different metaphors for what kind of a change would occur in the Israelites. Uh, those are in verses 1 and 2. Let's just kind of count them up quickly. He says, he says awake, clothe yourself with strength, put on garments, And then go to verse 2. He says, shake off your dust, rise up, sit enthroned, and and free yourself. I guess I mentioned seven there, but rise up and sit enthroned are kind of the same. Let's just focus on one of those today, just how he says, put on your strength. Each one of these different metaphors shows a little bit of a different nuance of the change that was going to happen in Israel. And when he says, put on your strength, There's no other way that they could have thought of this than to think back to the strength Yahweh showed them, the power Yahweh had. They'd think back to how Yahweh, with a great, powerful, outstretched arm, led them out of Egypt and guided them with with a tornado of fire and a hurricane of cloud. And they'd think back to how Yahweh had risen up many many kings and judges that, that went through and and drove out all their enemies from the promised land, they would have seen Yahweh's great power. But startlingly, somehow, the devil got them to forget about all of this. The devil is powerful in his sneakiness, I think. If I asked you to list King David's sin, you might shout out or write in your bulletin, murder or adultery. And I'd say, amen, for sure. But you could have also written laziness. Because David should have been out fighting with his troops, and instead he was sitting in his cushy palace, getting bored and lusting. And then he lied and he deceived and he committed adultery and he committed murder. He racked up a really impressive list of sins, all because the devil was sneaky and held out that temptation of laziness. The devil's power really is in his sneakiness. You know that he prowls around like a roaring lion. A roaring lion isn't very sneaky, but a prowling lion is. A prowling lion doesn't make his existence known. You don't see it. And in the same way, the devil prowls around so you don't see him. And you forget about two things. You forget about the power you have against him and the power he has against you. Because the devil tries to get you to forget about 
God's word and the power it has in your life. And so when you leave your house at the beginning of the day without God's good gospel on your heart, you become like the weak and the injured prey that the devil so easily traps. You get pulled down and torn apart, and the devil oppresses you and walks all over your back, and then he roars. Because then he roars in triumph over a saint defeated. And so Isaiah says, wake up. Wake up to the devil's power. Put on your own power. Put on God's power. And that's in the word. God, in the, in the book of Ephesians, he, he tells Paul to write about his word in a way that's very powerful. He writes about his word like it's this suit of armor. This thing that can stop any attack. He says you read his word and you see its truth over and above the devil's lies and you put on this thing called the belt of truth. And then you read his word and you see how good it is, how wonderful it is. And you put on this thing, you adorn yourself with the breastplate of righteousness. And then Paul says you... You lace up these shoes, the shoes that equip you to go through your life totally ready to, to defend any attack. And he also says you pick up this thing, you read God's word and the Holy Spirit works faith in your heart, and you pick up the shield of faith, which is Jesus. And you hold it up and Jesus extinguishes every single flaming arrow that the devil shoots your way. God's word is powerful. After the Israelites went through their great awakening and saw how much power God had for them, they would have seen how how Yahweh had stood with them in the past and how he was going to stand with them in the future. Look at verse 4. Isaiah writes... uh, that God speaks, he says, At first my people went down to Egypt to live. Lately Assyria has oppressed them. So here God is recounting Israel's oppression history. First Egypt, then Assyria, now Babylon. And Yahweh says, I'm not going to abandon my people. He opens up the door and he sees the big brother Babylon beating on little old Israel and he says, Well, what do I have here? (laughs) This won't do. I need to stand with my people. And so he says, I'm going to make my name great. I'm going to make everybody know my name. And then in verse 6 comes the big, huge reveal. He's going to say, yes, it is I. This is really a big biblical phrase. It's amazing that God would say this uh, to, to people, to humans. Another way to, to translate this phrase is commonly, here I am. When God came to a little boy, Samuel, and needed a servant, Samuel said, here I am. And when God came to Isaiah in chapter 6 of this book, and he needed a servant, I, Isaiah said, here I am. And now God comes to Israel and sees that they need a servant. And he says, here I am. Here God is to serve those people. 
And just a few short verses later after Isaiah 52, we get Isaiah 53. This huge gospel-centered, messianic-centered section where Jesus is written all over those verses. And we see that Jesus, the suffering servant, will come for Israel and has come for us. And in Isaiah 53, we see that Jesus suffered and died and then was exalted. And just like Israel suffered in their oppression and their hope had died, they would be exalted to a new place. It would be a great, great change, 100% different. A man in the United Kingdom um, a couple years ago thought that he could change his children. He has three grown children, and he wrote this email to them. He said, It's obvious that none of you has the faintest notion of the bitter disappointment each of you has dished out to us. I don't want to talk to you until you've changed. I'm bitterly, bitterly disappointed. Dad. I read that and I thought, wow. (laughs) Not really a whole lot of love there. It's pretty harsh. He tried to change his children with tough love. And I don't think it's going to work. Yahweh doesn't do that. Yahweh changes us in a much different way. He melts our hearts with steadfast love coming from a servant who stands with you all the days of your life. Your servant Jesus laid his powerful arm on a splintered beam of wood for for one day. And he gave you power for all the days of your life. And on one day, your servant Jesus rose from a tomb and he proclaimed his victory to all people of all time so that you could stand with him all the days of your life. And on one day, Jesus is going to come back to this earth with his arms raised triumphantly and you'll be caught up and you'll meet him in triumph so that you on that day can be a saint triumphant for the rest of your days. Really, we, we can wake up to the kind of power that our God has. And we put that on when we read His Word. And I know that you will stand with your servant all the days of your life. Amen. Please stand. <clears throat>